Well, good morning. It's uh, it's good to see you. Uh, for those of you who uh, I've not met before, maybe just uh, a few times before, welcome. Uh, my name is Steve Cunningham. I get to be the lead pastor here at Wellhouse. So grateful for that opportunity. Uh, grateful that you're here. Uh, one, one quick note that I will add, those papers that are around you, uh, please do take the time to fill those out. I know you're probably like, they already have my information. I gave it to them a while ago. We've been updating some things. Uh, and uh, so we'd love to do that. And then once you're done, you can give that to me or Chris or any one of our shepherds. Um, we would, we will, uh, we'd be glad to take that. So please fill that out today. We would love that. We started last week in a series uh, called Fearless, Big Prayers Worth Praying, and uh, really the, the idea of this came because I think one of the things that, that most Christians struggle with, uh, seems like almost universally, is, is the idea of prayer. Uh, we all know that it's important, right? That's, that's something that we know, but oftentimes just because we know it doesn't always mean that we do it, ever have a problem with that. You know the right thing to do, you have a hard time implementing the right thing to do, and that's true with prayer. Sometimes we struggle with prayer because it seems like we, we did that in the past and it just didn't work, right? Uh, the person didn't get better. We, we prayed for them, prayed for them, prayed for them, and they didn't get healed. And uh, So you're like, well, is there a point to it? And God already kind of knows what's happening. He's already got a will. And so is there a point to doing that? And, and so we wrestle through some of those things. Or maybe you just feel like, you know, I just don't have like, I don't feel like I have a connection with God. Like it just feels like the words kind of fall out and they don't go any higher than the ceiling for me. And so we, we want to do a series where we could help maybe draw some, uh, some things out of Scripture to help us in our prayer life to pray in a way that we don't typically pray. And uh, last week we talked about prayer of awareness, <clears throat> this idea that we're asking God to search us. And in that searching that he would make us aware of some things in our life. He would make us aware of the things in our heart. He would make us aware of the things that roll around in our mind, right, that cause us stress and anxiety and, and uh, that he would bring those to our attention or that he would make us aware of his path for our life. We have a path for our life. You probably have some ideas of what you'd like your life to look like, but to help us pay attention to his path for our life. Today, uh, we are, we're going to be looking at Psalm 32, so if you have your Bible, you can open up there. If you have the YouVersion Bible app, if you go to events, you can actually find Wellhouse on there, and all of the scriptures that we use today, all the message notes are going to be right on there for you. Those of you who, uh, those of you who know me um, well, you know, uh, you know a little bit about my backstory and some of the jobs that I've had. I spent six years uh, working in hospice. I was a hospice chaplain and grief counselor. And uh, I remember uh, one time I went to the house of a, a lady who was 102 years old. 102 years old. This lady was fascinating. I wound up uh, actually uh, doing her funeral service after she passed away. And there's just lots of people that came and could tell stories of, of all the things she was into. She loved baseball. She would watch baseball really up into the point when, when she passed away. She just loved baseball and she knew all kinds of stats and things like that. There was a video that I watched of her and on her 100th birthday as her kids and her grandkids and her great-grandkids and everybody kind of came around, great-great-grandkids were there. She was teaching, I think it was her great-great-granddaughter on the back patio how to jump rope, 100th birthday. 
I can't jump rope and I'm 43. So, I mean, that's just, uh, that was impressive to me. But <laughs> something interesting happened. She, uh, I got a call that she was declining in health. The family had asked me to come out and just sit with them and talk through the process of dying, what that would look like, and to give her comfort. So we sat there, and she was at the point where she wasn't talking very much anymore. It had been a few days since she said anything. And we all gathered around, and we prayed, and they told stories about her. And it was interesting, if you looked around the house, there were two things you'd notice right off the bat. Number one was all of the baseball uh, memorabilia. She had posters and all kinds of things up. And then the other thing that you couldn't help but miss were all the owls. She had owls everywhere. Stuffed owls, ceramic owls. She had owls that were hanging from things and sitting on things. She had owl salt and pepper shakers. I mean, there was owls everywhere in the house. So as the family was sitting around and reminiscing and telling stories, they were talking about the owls and how much she loved the owls. And finally, her eyes darted over and she said, I never loved those things to begin with. <laughs> Everybody stopped like, she hadn't said a word in like three days. They said, what? She said, I never loved the owls to begin with. Okay. She said, and through a lot of straining to breathe, she said, I bought some salt and pepper shakers years ago as they were the cheapest ones I could find. And they happened to be owls. <laughs> and ever since then, everybody gives me owls. <laughs> I hate those things. <laughs> oh, man. What a funny thing to confess, right, <laughs> on your deathbed. I hate owls. <clears throat> Today we're talking about confession, and it's funny, I think, to confess owls, you know, like, I hate, that's an easy confession, and apparently it wasn't so easy for her, because she had literally 102 years to tell somebody, I and mean, she waited till the last few moments, but I wonder if that's true for us, too. I wonder if it's true for us that all of humanity, you and I, that there are maybe some things that hold us back from just being confessional. In fact, I think the word confession actually kind of does something. It brings out some kind of awkward feeling in us like, ooh, I don't want to. It almost sounds bad, like it's something that we shouldn't do. And I believe that because I think there's three common enemies of confession. And as I thought about those, I think pride and shame and fear are the common enemies of confession. Because while I can, I can laugh about the owl story, I can tell you uh, multiple, may, dozens if not hundreds of stories of people who've held things in for a long time. And it was because one of those three or all of those three things were weighing so heavy on them that they finally had to tell somebody something that they never wanted to tell. They never felt like they could tell anybody else. 
Today, we're going to read a psalm. This is a psalm of David. It's found in uh, Psalm 32, and we're going to walk through this together. Uh, some theologians believe that this psalm is tied with uh, Psalm 51, where David is talking about his transgressions. You might remember the story of David and Bathsheba, and how David saw this woman who didn't belong to him, and he wound up uh, having sex with her and then conceiving, right? And, and so David winds up lamenting. He winds up confessing. He can't control it anymore and it comes out. And so he winds up kind of crying out to God. Some theologians believe that this psalm is tied to that where he's talking about his transgressions and the things that have been weighing heavy on him. I don't know that that's true, but there seems to be some similarities there. But this is what it says in Psalm chapter 32, starting in verse 1. Bless is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against him, and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silent, meaning when I didn't say anything about the transgressions, when I had deceit and I covered it up myself, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long for day and night. Your hand was heavy on me and my strength was zapped in the heat of the summer. It's interesting how David begins this. He's, he begins by saying this, this idea of, you either call it blessed or blessed. It depends, I think, on how, where you were raised in the country and how old you are, right? As you read through the, the uh, blessed are the poor or blessed are the poor. But really, the, the word there means joy, full of joy. And he says, listen, there's a degree of joy when you recognize your sins are covered. And you're thinking, yes, absolutely. I'm glad when nobody knows all the things that I don't want to tell anybody else. And he says, no, no, no. I'm not talking about when they're covered up by you. I'm talking about when they're covered by God. Because then there's no deceit found in you. Because what happens when there's something that you're trying to cover up, as David would say, is, Man, it is oppressive to us. There's a book, if you've not read it, I would recommend it. It's a book called The Body Keeps the Score. Great book. There's a quote in there. It says this, The past is alive in the form of gnawing interior discomfort. Their bodies, people who have things from the past, their bodies are constantly bombarded by visceral warning signs. It's like a sign that comes up on your dashboard, you know, warning, check engine, you got to do something about this. It's like, uh, I, I don't want to pay attention to that. I want to go down that road. The author says this, as long as you keep secrets and suppress information, you are fundamentally at war with yourself. And here's David as he talks about these things from the past. He says, man, I, I wanted to cover it up myself, 
but it was just wearing on me. I was, in fact, he says this, my bones were wasting away. And here's the thing, hidden things in our past, man, they cause us great turmoil. And we think, I don't want to say anything to anybody. I don't want to think about it even in my own mind because I know how I feel about it. I'm afraid of how other people feel about it. But just trying to forget about it doesn't make that gnawing, doesn't, doesn't make that war within yourself go away. See, we'd like to think we could forget about it, but that's not how God designed us. So David tells us what to do, what he did, what he did really. Verse 5, Then I acknowledge my sin to you, David's talking about God, and did not cover up my iniquity. And I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. See, for David, the first step to confession was to be honest about the past. I don't know about you, but in my life, when I've been caught in something that I didn't necessarily particularly love to be caught in, I would justify that thing, you know, like eight ways to Sunday. You know, it's like, well, the reason why I did it was because you don't understand how I was raised and you don't understand the, the situation I was in. And if you, if you would just understand kind of the, 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 the thing, the situation at the time, it was just, that's just the way it was. David says, no, 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 here's what I'm going to do. I'm just not going to cover anything up anymore. I'm going to be honest about the past. And the truth of the matter is, is that nobody in this room, including myself, is without sin. And that's kind of a great thing. Because we don't get to hold up this mask that says like, listen, I got it all together. I've never made mistakes. I'm, I'm living perfect. I mean, it would be nice, but it's not real. In fact, John tells us this in, in 1 John chapter 1. He says, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And we talked about that last night or last time, not last night. You weren't at my house last night. I don't think you were. Uh, if you were, we need to talk, okay? Okay. Uh, Last week we talked about that. The, 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 biggest, the biggest person that we lie to, the, the person we lie to the most often is ourself. We're so easy to deceive ourselves because we want to believe the lie we tell ourselves. John says, no, no, no. We deceive ourselves if we claim to be without sin and the truth isn't even in us. If we confess our sins... If we're honest about it, he's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we haven't sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word isn't even in us. He says, listen, the whole reason why Jesus came, why God sent his one and only son is because you don't have a mistake problem. It's not that you're perfect. It's not that you can cover it up the most and see how much you can cover up and act like you got it all together. He says, no, no, no. The reason why God sent his only son is because you're a sinner. And you can't fix sin problem. Only God can. And the only way you can come to the realization that it's not a mistake problem, it wasn't oops, you can't justify it away, 
is if you're willing to be honest with yourself and say, I, I have a deeper problem here. I think honesty is, is an underrated thing. I found that most of the time when, uh, when I do couples therapy or I'm working with couples, maybe they're just starting off in a relationship, they're going to get married or they just got married and they come in, they start talking. And I always tell them this, listen, the, the best thing to do to help your marriage is to be honest with one another. Honesty is the foundation of any relationship. It's the foundation of any relationship, no matter whether it's a coworker or a friend or a spouse. If you don't have honesty, you don't have a relationship. And here John says, listen, if you're not honest, there's no truth in you. If you're not honest with yourself about what's going on even with you, like, you don't have a relationship with God. Honesty is the foundation of this relationship. And I think it goes back to, I think our need for that, uh, for not being honest goes back to those three common enemies of confession. Shame and, and, and fear. This idea that, that we're afraid that somebody's going to think ill of us or we're just so ashamed of some of the things that are in our past or we have pride issues that are, that are coming out. And so we, put on, we typically try to put on a mask or we cover things up on our own, but David reminds us that we can't do that. We can't get away from the oppression of those three things. Even if nobody knows our past, they're inside dwelling with us. And so sometimes we have to come to the recognition that saving face won't save you from your shame. Now we can kind of get together, you know, you've probably been there before or maybe you've done this before. You fought with your spouse or you fought with your kids or you fought with your family the entire way to church. And then as soon as you get out of the car and you walk in the door and says, hey, it's good to see you. How have you been? You're like, we're good. And you go to sit down. You're like, don't you say, say a word. Just wait till we leave. I'm not talking to you again, you know, but here I will. Because we love to say face. But have you ever noticed that saving face doesn't save you from the shame? It doesn't save you from the fear of being found out. It doesn't save you from the crushing weight of pride in your life. See, you need something much deeper than that. And that's what David begins to write about. Verse 6. He confesses, he confesses in uh, verse 5, and then he says, verse 6, Therefore, because I confessed all of this, and because God so richly gave me grace, therefore, because of that, let all the faithful pray to you while you may be found. Or let all the faithful, really, the, the, the better translation is, and find you faithful. Let all the faithful confess to you and find that you're faithful in giving grace and you're faithful in forgiving. Surely the rising of the mighty waters will not reach them. You are my hiding place. 
You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what happens? David says, listen, I was wasting away. My bones were aching. I was under the, uh, the oppression of the things that I had done in my past. And when I finally confessed, and I was afraid of confessing those things to the Lord, you know what I found? I was safe from the waters that I thought were going to drown me. Instead of being in the presence of somebody who I thought, shame on you, I can't believe you do that again. Don't you know the price I paid for you? He said, no, 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 no. What I found was a hiding place. See, when I tried to hide it, I never could escape it. But in you somehow, I'm hidden. You protect me from trouble and surround me, I love this, Surround me with songs of deliverance. I was thinking about this this week. Um, I think it was this week, last week. My daughter, uh, my oldest daughter Zeta, uh, they're they're getting married at the end of this year, and so she sent me some songs to listen to. I'm talking about this. We we're, we're listening to these songs. She said, "Dad, I want you to think about a song that we can." play at the, at the reception that you and I can dance to. I'm not a super emotional guy, but I started to play these songs. I like hit play for like 10 seconds. I was like, nope, I can't listen to that, you know. <laughs> no, that's not going to work. Uh, is there any songs about fishing or, you know, like <laughs> nothing about dads and daughters and giving them away and never seeing them again or whatever it is. I can't listen to that. Because there's something, listen, isn't this true? Have you ever listened to a song and it just stirred something deep inside of you that you, could, you couldn't even process? You don't even have words for. There's songs that you'll listen to and then it'll take you right back to being 10 years old. There's some of those songs that remind you of your parents, good or bad. Some of those the songs are going to remind you of high school, good or bad. Because there's something about a song that stirs up within you. And David says, hey, listen, I want you to know that you're not only my safe place, but when I'm with you, when I confess to you the things I think I'm going to hear, oh, you're terrible, you're wrong, you're horrible. I can't believe you do that again. No, no, no. The things I hear are songs of deliverance. You've been redeemed. You've been set free. You aren't in bondage by not only the sin, but by the fear and the shame and the guilt that goes with it anymore. Those things that were pressing you down, the things that were making you weary and worrisome and all those, 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 those things aren't in your mind anymore. They're not in your heart anymore. You don't have to listen because what you hear is a song of deliverance. It's beautiful. Think about... Adam and Eve in the garden. We talked about that this morning in our class. That Did you ever notice this? That, that there was a time where it says, you know, Adam and Eve, they were, they were a couple together and it was, they were naked and, and it was fine, you know? And then sin came in the picture. It was like, not naked and fine anymore. <laughs> The Bible says this, that, that they, they, they ate the fruit, sin enters the picture, and the first thing that they do is cover up. Because they feel ashamed. Sin enters the picture, and it ruins that for us. 
and maybe the whole rest of the story. This story that God is painting for us from that very moment when sin and shame. Do you ever catch what Adam and Eve say when, when God is walking through the garden in the cool of the day? I don't, that apparently doesn't happen here in the summer, so there is no cool of the day. <clears throat> they were they hid from God. They're afraid. And in fact, that fear comes out. He says, why are you hiding? He says, well, we recognize that we were vulnerable and we were afraid. And I wonder if you and I don't have more in common with Adam and Eve than we think. I wonder if there's some parts of our life that because of the, the situations we've been in, we put ourselves in, we found ourselves in, some of the things that we've done and we said in the past, we, we try to leave it in the past, but it never really stays in the past as much as we love for it to stay in the past. It's like, I'm just going to, I'm going to keep my distance from God because I don't want him too close because it feels uncomfortable. Like he's going to expose everything that there is and make me feel bad about it. When he already knows and he wants so much to be your hiding place and to sing over you, not songs of condemnation, but the songs of, of deliverance. Last of all, David goes on and he says this, I'll instruct you. This is, this is God speaking now to David. I'll instruct you and I'll teach you in the way that you should go. And I'll counsel you with my loving eye on you. I remember growing up in, in Sunday school and they always had a picture of Jesus in the room. Did you grow up like that too? And it was the watchful eye of Christ. Scared the bejesus out of me, right? It was, it was, it was effective. I don't know if it was good or healthy. And here, God says, no, no, I'll be watching over you, but with a loving eye. And then he gives this warning. <laughs> Don't be like the horse or mule, which have no understanding, but must be controlled by a bit or bride, or, or they won't come to you. You ever been around a mule before? Stubborn. You cannot lead them anywhere without pain being enforced, Right? And God said, listen, I don't want to drag you to me. I don't want this process of you following me to be painful. It shouldn't be. Because I have a path for you, and even when you fail to follow it, I still love you. Many of the woes are the wicked, but the Lord's unfailing love surround the one who trusts him. Rejoice in the Lord and be glad, you righteous sing, all of you who are upright in heart. See, here's what I found in my life. It's true for me. It might be true for you that the stubborn tend to repeat consequences while the student learns to avoid regret. There's a good part to being stubborn, but most of the time it's not good. Have you been there before where you're like, listen, somebody tells you the right way to do it and you're like, I'm not going to do it just because you said it. Listen, some of you, I know that's true. <laughs> Don't you lie to me. 
man, there have been so many times in my life where I have repeated not only the mistake, but the consequence of that mistake because I was too stubborn to learn and listen. And God said, no, 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 don't do that. Be a student. Be willing to learn and avoid the regret. See, that's what I want from you. It's not to harness you in. It's not to drag you kicking and screaming. It's so that you can learn to avoid the regret. You can learn the oppressive thing of consequences in your life. That's what I want for you, to be a safe place. My question for you today is this. What have you learned from your past? What have you learned from your past? Do you hate the consequences of sin? Or do you hate sin? Have you learned to cover things up so well that you trick yourself into thinking there's no real consequence if nobody knows. And yet there's something gnawing at you from the inside and it just is relentless. And you try to stuff it down as much as possible, but every once in a while it surfaces. You covered it up and it continues to eat you alive. And would it not be better? If you found what's true for David is true for you, that you can confess something to your father who, who loves you and who already knows and who longs to hold you and be your safe place and remind you that no matter what path you took, whether it was 10 days ago or 10 years ago, whether it was you currently or you describe it as a completely different person, he wants to sing over you this song of deliverance. In just a moment, we get to take communion, the Eucharist, the Lord's Supper. You might have heard it called a number of different things, but it's really this representation of how much God loves you and how much we need him. So he didn't send his son because we have it all together or we can at least appear to have it all together he sent his son because you and I we need him and he's our safe place it's a time where we get to gather around a table we confess that none of us in here are perfect and yet he loves us anyway the table's a reminder of God's graciousness to us not to hold it over us or pull us in like some old mule, but to pull us in like a child and to say, no matter what or where you've been, I love you. So today, whatever the past, whatever things have been gnawing at you that you have tried so desperately to forget, get over, move past, May you find freedom and confession to God, to be honest. And in that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and give you peace. Now to him who is able to 
keep you from falling and present you before his glorious presence without fault and with tremendous joy. May you be swept away in God's love for you and truly transformed through the Holy Spirit's power within you. Thanks be to the only God, our Savior, who is unparalleled and unchanging, who is matchless and merciful, who is supreme and sufficient, who is before all things. He's through all things. He's in all things, both now and forever. Amen. You're dismissed today.